Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 4, the St. Louis Cardinals 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. Except, went out to dinner with some friends, and I got the seat that was not facing any of the TVs at the bar, and <laughs> I basically missed the entire game. So, I didn't watch it live. But you know me, I caught up on the highlights, I watched the condensed game on, uh, uh, you know, on the MLB film room, I uh, got caught up on the post-game interviews, I dug into the box score and stat cast, and I am ready to talk about this baseball game, because there's some interesting things in this baseball game. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the beat reporters were all doing their job after the game, asking questions like, oh, is this, is this the game that's going to be a launching point to, you know... The team gaining momentum back? Is this the big momentum-turning game? I I don't know about that, you know? Uh, I think Ahmed Rosario, uh, who got interviewed on the field after the game, kind of was like, eh, we'll see. And uh, even Shane Bieber in the post-game interview was like, uh, let's let's see what happens tomorrow. Let's, let's see what happens in the first third of the game. If we come out and jump on them again, uh, he's, he made it pretty clear, like, no, we need to build on this. They're like this, we didn't blow the Cardinals out here, right? We, we had one good inning and we wrote it to the end of the game. I, I don't think that's necessarily a turning point for the guardians, but he's right. Beaver's right. It's what they do tomorrow. Uh, and the day after that, that kind of shows where that turning point is for the team. A, a win feels good though. They gave Shane Bieber. More than four runs of support, finally. Finally, four runs of support for Shane Bieber. They threw up the stat. He's only lost like two games in his career when they give him four-plus runs of support. So, yeah, you get a little offense going, and uh, suddenly Bieber can make it work, right? You give him four runs in the bottom of the fifth. takes you a while to get there, but you get there against the young pitcher, uh, Librator. You get there, and uh, yeah, Bieber could even on his best night. And I think Bieber, in post game again, he would admit, admit it was not his best night, right? Four walks from Bieber, uh, gives up five hits, only two strikeouts. Uh, wait till you see the uh, let's just do it. The CSW numbers for Bieber, like he, they were all over his fastball, all over it. Uh, he did get ten called strikes on it, but. 13 swings, zero whiffs on that fastball. And uh, he only had a seven whiffs total in the day. A 17% whiff rate for Shane Bieber. Come on. We we all know that's, that's not Bieber being locked in. This guy gets the swing and miss usually in his career. He did have 19 called strikes, all on the fastball and the cutter. Uh, so it's a 24% CSW, which again, 24% CSW, two strikeouts but four walks. It's not Shane Bieber at his best, but the dude knows how to get a win with uh with four runs of support. Right? That's that's part of being an ace. Even on your best night, give me a little bit of run support and I can make this thing work. I can cook with that. So uh so yeah, so the Guardians get the W. A very important W against the St. Louis team who's kind of kind of in the same situation, aren't they? I mean, they're 23 and 30 
We're now 22 and 28. Both teams had playoff aspirations going into the season. Both teams, uh, St. Louis, it's it's different over there. Like, they, they've had weird things going on, right? This big free agent catcher, Contreras, that they signed. They decide uh, he's not calling the games the way we want him to call them, so he's not going to play catcher anymore, and now he's back playing catcher. That was a weird drama that went down. Their their top star outfielder had to be sent back down to AAA. So, uh, so did ours, right? Oscar Gonzalez. I don't think he was at the same level as far as prospect rankings across Major League Baseball. But, uh, yeah, uh, we both sent down uh, what should have been power-hitting outfielders uh, back to AAA to figure things out. So, Colonels are in a bit of the same situation we are, where they have some high expectations. And the first half of the season is not going the way they expected. So, we get the W on them. All right, let's get into some more details of this game. I thought just, you know, from watching the condensed game, a lot of things repeated itself in this game. Heck, in the in the first inning, both uh, play-by-play announcers for both sides made really weird calls. Uh, that was that was something that repeated itself in the game. Just just watching the highlights back. First off, the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know how many times it happens in the happened in the game, but when Jose Ramirez was up in the first inning, they definitely slipped and called us the Indians. Which I know you don't face us a lot, Seattle, but come on, it's been two seasons. Like, come on, are we still making those mistakes? And then I loved Nolan Arenado in the first inning. After Gorman walks with two outs, Arenado lines out to second base uh, to end the inning. Hamilton must have been looking down, right? He he must have been looking away. He must have been, I don't know, checking something in his score sheet because he calls the line out to second base. He, he must have looked up and just saw uh, Jimenez snag the line drive because he calls it a smash, a smash to right field, and Jimenez snags the line drive to end the inning. And I'm like, wait a minute. You barely hit that thing. I look back at StatCast. It's a 67.1 mile-per-hour exit velocity. So either Hamilton caught it out of the corner of his eye and just reacted to it, and I was like, meh, whatever, he caught it. Uh, Or or something. Uh, Because it definitely wasn't a smash to right field at only 67.1. It was more a flare off the end of the bat, uh, if anything, that he snags. So, uh, yeah. So those repeated itself. Uh, We've got Stephen Kwan crashing into the outfield wall in back-to-back innings. One inning, he makes the catch, a great catch, uh, on a Nolan Arenado fly ball. Uh, And then in the next inning, Lutbar hits one that he can't catch. Uh, I mean, let's see the difference between these two. Arenado's was hit 95.3 mile per hour exit velocity at a 28 degree launch angle, 348 feet. Uh, Lars Newtbars was hit at 102 mile per hour exit velocity at a 26 degree launch angle, 349 feet. Uh, the, um, the one by Arenado had an expected batting average of 180. By the way, it would have been a home run in four out of 30 ballparks. The one hit by Newtbar uh, had a 670 expected batting average and would have been a home run in three out of 30 ballparks. So he catches Arenado's crashing into the wall, makes a gold glove catch. He can't catch Newtbar's in the ninth inning. It actually goes for an RBI double, bringing in Tommy Edmond. And uh, yeah, just it was 
weird that that play repeated itself in back-to-back innings. Uh, and clearly, I mean, with a 670 expected batting average, clearly Newt Bars was a harder play to make. Uh, you know, that's that's what the expected batting average is all about. Uh, so uh, that repeated itself. Uh, you know, scoring on sack flies in back-to-back innings in the sixth and the seventh inning as Bieber's limiting damage repeated itself. Uh, relievers coming into the game for Cleveland and getting out of rough situations, right? Stefan gets out of a rough situation in the seventh inning with the bases loaded. So many walks in this game. Uh, you know, Stefan comes in and he gives up two walks before he's finally able to face you know one of the best hitters in the National League right now, Nolan Gorman, and gets him to pop out to Ramirez in foul territory. So he gets out of a jam, then creates another jam in the eighth inning with a walk and a single. And now it's De Los Santos coming in, facing Paul DeYoung, and he gets him to ground into a double play. So that repeated itself. Two relievers coming into the game in tough situations and shutting down the opposing offense, getting out of it. Now, look, it wasn't Trevor Steffen's best game. Uh, he'll admit that, but but they're able to work together and limit that damage. So, like I said, lots of things repeating itself in this game. Uh, the good news for your Guardians is uh, after, let's just say, a few cracks at it, right? They get some runners on base uh, throughout the game. The third inning, they had two on. Zanino with an infield single. How about that? How about this? Zanino with two hits. And uh, what were the two exit velocities? Zanino with two hits with exit velocities in the 60s. There's something that repeated itself. First, it's an infield single hit deep in the hole in shortstop that he actually beats out. Hit at 67.3 mile per hour exit velocity. Then in the fifth inning, uh, he kind of, you know, Andres Jimenez gets the rally going by being hit by the pitch. Of course he does. And then Zanino with a bloop single in the right field at 69.8 mile per hour exit velocity. It actually it had a 640 expected batting average because it's no man's land out there. So two base hits with exit velocities in the 60s. There's something that repeated itself. Straw and Quan going back to back with singles then. Uh, man, the Bat-Bib gods, you know, for as bad a luck as the Guardians hitters have been having, uh, the Bat-Bib gods finally shined on us a little bit in this game. You know, Zanino gets two unlikely hits. Straw gets one through. I mean, he just got a ball through. Uh, And, uh, you know, Jimenez maybe learning a lesson from Josh Bell the other day, who ran himself out of an inning. Uh, And remember, Jimenez was the batter for that one. Doesn't run himself out of the inning. Makes sure the ball gets through. Makes sure Zanino's hit gets down. Makes sure Straw's gets through. So now you got the bases loaded for Steven Kwan in a lefty-on-lefty matchup, which works for Quan, and he does the perfect thing. He just shoots it the other way, takes that big hole on the left side, shoots it through for a single. Everybody moves up a base. You know, with Zanino, the catcher running at second, I don't expect him to score from second base. Uh, they all move up, and Ahmed Rosario, here we go again, talking about things repeating themselves. Uh, you know, this is, uh, is this his third at-bat? I believe this is his third at-bat. He strikes out in the first inning. He draws a walk in the third inning, and now he's up again in the fifth inning. And in the first inning, that strikeout came on a breaking ball down and in. He threw a, wow, 
five fastballs in a row, working in and out um, of the plate, and uh, finally throws him a slider down, buries it at his feet on a full on a full count, and uh, gets him to swing through it. So swing over top of it. So he buries a slider at his feet and gets the strikeout of Ahmed Rosario. Well, the next time Rosario comes up, oh, I should say the second. The third time he comes up to face him, uh, the situation's going to kind of repeat itself here. Uh, This time with those runners on, with the bases loaded, starts him off with a curveball that he buries down at his feet, and he fouls off. Uh, Comes in with a fastball that he misses for a 1-1 count. Goes high with a fastball at the top of the zone that he swings through to make it a 1-2 count. Now, again, bases loaded here. We really, really need to make an inning of this. And he goes back. Now that he's got ahead of him in the count, he goes back to that slider. It's pretty close to the same location. That is pretty darn close to the same location. And this time, he digs it out. He digs it out. I mean, it's it's almost identical location to the pitch he strikes out in, strikes out with in the first inning. It's slightly more elevated. Slightly more elevated. Basically at the same speed. And he digs this thing out and hits it 97.6. So things repeating themselves in this game. One slider he fails on. The other one he's able to drive into the left field corner. And doesn't, I mean, not even a flare. It's a 97.6 mile per hour exit velocity. So he drives it into that left field corner and it clears the bases. Good base running from Stephen Kwan. Scoring from first on this thing, that's pretty impressive to me. Um, that's just a heads up. He must have read it right off the crack of the bat, and he was off to the races. And unfortunately, that's where the rally ends. You know, with a runner on second, there was still nobody out, uh, but they're able to get out of it. Ramirez pops out. Uh, did they go to the bullpen at that point, or did they leave um, Libertor? No, Libertor finished the inning. Uh, so he got Jose Ramirez to pop out, Bell to ground out at 105.9, and Naylor to pop out as well. So uh, it's not the middle of the lineup. The middle of the lineup uh, is quiet tonight. Uh, Naylor did have a hit, but uh, pretty quiet. So did Ramirez. But I guess, I guess, I mean, there wasn't a ton of hitting from the Guardians. Uh, they scored these four runs, and then the bullpen just has to make it work. The only person with a multi-hit game was Zanino. <laughs> of course, uh, Zanino somewhat figuring things out. He also he also, give credit where credit is due, he also threw Newt Bar out stealing. If you notice, when guys get caught stealing, it seems to be on throws that are up, I want to say up the line a little bit, but you know, to the right of second base. So instead of tagging that arm or that foot that's sliding into the bag, they're actually getting the tag on the backside of the body before that foot or hand can make contact with the base. That seems to be where a lot of guys are getting thrown out, higher up on the body, and uh, just getting that tag down before that foot hits the base. So uh, that's what happens in this one. He kind of gets Nupar on the arm, on the back arm, as he's sliding into second. So Zanino, give him credit, man. Two hits and uh, throws a runner out stealing. That's that's a pretty good day for a catcher. Not to mention, you know, helps Shane Bieber navigate uh, all those runners at base, uh, and they get out of it. So, uh, yeah, I guess it was a good good game for Zanino. So, uh, man, I, I mean, that's kind of this game. That's, that's kind of how this game works. Uh, 
Bieber, like I said, let's take a look at his pitch location. Wasn't really the game I think that he uh, would have wanted. Uh, he doesn't attack that arm side of the plate as much as he usually does. The uh, the knuckle curveball wasn't hitting the strike zone as often as we see it. Um, yeah, he's he's a little bit all over the place, a little bit, a little bit down, uh, and a little bit wide to the sides. Wasn't throwing anything up really, uh, keeping everything down, and uh, just wasn't attacking that side of the plate like we're used to him seeing him do. Uh, actually, uh, Bieber actually throws to the glove side of the plate a ton usually. So maybe there were just a ton of lefties in this lineup for St. Louis. So, uh, like we said, the CSW numbers weren't that impressive. Uh, but the bullpen guys, uh, are able to come in. Let's see what the bullpen numbers were for these guys. I, I can't imagine they were that impressive either, uh, with as many walks as, uh, Stefan gives up. Still at a 43% whiff rate. That's pretty good. And De Los Santos faces one batter. And then Classe in the ninth inning. Uh, you know, he's not a high whiff rate guy. So, uh, yeah, it's 16 swings, only four uh, whiffs for Classe. He actually gets that final strikeout looking. So, uh, it was a pitch that was admittedly, he strikes out Goldschmidt and Gorman to end the game with Newtbar standing there on second base. So, uh, you know, Classe not having his best season. Uh, the double Edmund hits is on a cutter that's kind of kind of middle of the plate uh, at the thighs, and he shoots it out over the center field, uh, over uh, Straw's head in center field at 107.7 mile per hour exit velocity. Newt bars, like we said, in left field. This was a cutter that was up middle of the plate, and the lefty shoots it the other way at 102 miles per hour. So now he's got to face Goldschmidt and uh, gets him on the uh, slider. So it starts with a cutter high and then pounds the outside edge with sliders. Fouls two of them off before finally going uh, out of the strike zone and chasing a slider out there to put him down with that runner on second base. And then uh, Gorman uh, works along at bat, works a seven pitch at bat, but uh, going high with cutters, going, uh, well, high and low with sliders and high and low with cutters, uh, but working high to low and finally gets them locked up after he just uh, fouled off a slider down and in, he gets him locked up with a cutter at the top of the zone line. You know, here on StatCast, it definitely looks like it's right on the top edge of the strike zone. But watching this live, uh, you know, the pitch tracking that they do live on Bally Sports, it might have been a little high. It might have been, but Zanino does a good job of framing it. He gets the call. And, you know, Klasse can't see that that painted on box that we're looking at on, you know, that overlay that we're looking at on Bally sports. All he sees is he dropped the cutter, you know, on the high outside where he wanted it. And, uh, the umpire called strike three. That's all. That's all class. knows he got the call. So, uh, it's a good job from him. Uh, after giving up those doubles to regroup and get these two strikeouts to end the game. So it's a pretty simple game to break down. Uh, a four inning, four runs in one inning, and then the uh, the pitching staff just goes to work. And uh, despite St. Louis's best efforts, I mean, they had plenty of guys on base. The Cardinals end up going one for seven with runners in scoring position. So not good enough to get the job done. The Guardians, by the way, went three for seven with runners in scoring position. That is good enough to get the job done. That's that's a decent number there for uh, for a baseball game. So uh, MVP on the day. 
Ooh, man, who are we going to go with on this one? I think, you know, you got a big crooked number in the RBI column. Even with two strikeouts in the game uh, and a walk, uh, I got to go with Ahmed Rosario. He had the big hit. Look, there were a lot of there were a lot of moments in this game, right? Zanino, like we said, doing what he did, two hits. That's it's great. It's great to see Bieber, even though it's not his best start, limiting the damage, working out of trouble, only giving up two sack flies. By the way, I, I guess I can't leave this out. I say it every game. He was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times on 108 pitches. Stefan and De Los Santos, you know, with huge moments getting out of the game. De Los Santos, can you give someone MVP on the day for only two pitches? Nah, I don't think so. I think we got to go with Ahmed Rosario as MVP on the day. Look, I I know I know a lot of you are ready to move on from Rosario, ready to see what the young shortstops have, but Rosario still has games. He still has some moments and uh, delivers a huge three RBI double uh, in this game. So I'm giving him MVP on the day. All right. Before we get out of here, I want to talk about I want to talk about some fun stuff. Uh I want to talk about some uh national MLB news that's going on. First off, uh the Oakland uh the Oakland A's, the the Las Vegas move is more and more eminent and they released I believe initial designs of what the ballpark could look like in Las Vegas. I don't know, for some reason I always get excited about new ballpark designs. And I was impressed and shocked at the same time. Be impressed because the Las Vegas Strip, the MGM Casino, like in the background, in the skyline behind the outfield fence, it looks cool. It looks really cool. Uh, so I got to give them some credit there. They they have this great plaza designed in front of the stadium where everyone would be walking up and you know everybody's walking to this ballpark right you're all everybody's staying on the strip and there's so much foot traffic to this ballpark uh, it'll probably need the least amount of parking of any stadium in major league baseball and uh so yeah so some of that stuff looked fantastic looked like a really impressive ballpark hey for one and a half billion or whatever they think this thing's gonna cost it better be an impressive ballpark here's the weird thing there are some very weird things about Oakland Stadium, about the Oakland Coliseum. It was a football stadium that they also played baseball in. So it's designed to hold a football field. And uh, old Cleveland Stadium was this way. It's very wide. There's a ton of foul territory. There's an insane, ridiculous amount of foul territory at the Oakland Coliseum. And for some reason, somebody thought it would be a good idea to sketch up the new ballpark in Las Vegas to copy that. To also have big curved outsides and have all that foul territory again. Why? Why? It's so dumb. It's terrible watching guys pop out foul on balls that would be 30 rows up at Progressive Field. Maybe a slight exaggeration. So they, they put that in the design. And then the batter's eye in center field. Like, I get that you need something to create contrast against the baseball in center field. And in Oakland Coliseum, it's a giant green padded wall. And they put that in the design in the new Las Vegas ballpark. I'm like, really? In Cleveland, we've got the trees, the nice trees out in center field. You know, other stadiums have big fountains out there. You can't come up with something nice 
to put out there in center field except for a big green square wall. So weird that this beautifully designed ballpark would decide to take those two elements from Oakland and uh, and bring them over to Las Vegas. I don't know. Just struck me as weird. Uh, the other thing I saw this a few days ago uh, that I wanted to uh, I wanted to shout out because it's a fun story. Um, the uh, superstar in Seattle in Seattle, Julio Rodriguez, has his own breakfast cereal now. Julio's, which is of course perfect for his name. Uh, they look like Fruit Loops, I think, if I remember the, what the box looked like. And I was just thinking to myself, like, where in the list of weird honors is having your own breakfast cereal? It's got to be pretty high up there, right? Right? I Like, the Mount Rushmore is like having a sandwich named after you. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Having a breakfast cereal named after you is pretty cool. I, what else is on that list of, like, this isn't... This isn't like products you could put your name on. This isn't like just pushing like a, you know, a seltzer drink or something like that or wearing New Balance shoes. This is like specifically designed for you. Maybe having your own action figure. That's got to be up there, right? Uh, So I don't know. Just I think it's fun that they did a breakfast cereal for him. They did it for uh, Nick Chubb here in Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, He has his own breakfast cereal. I don't know if they still sell it. I know a lot of the money from it went to charity, uh, went to, you know, his different charitable organizations. So I wonder if Julio Rodriguez is doing the same thing out in Seattle. Uh, But yeah, uh, I just, I'm curious what yours. So if you're emailing in for the rest of the season, uh, let me, let me know what breakfast cereal would be named after you or, uh, uh, you know, where that ranks on your list of like greatest honors of all time, right? Or what else, what else would be on your Mount Rushmore? of uh ways you can be honored uh is breakfast cereal on there is naming a sandwich after you on there uh i don't know just some fun just some fun stuff in major league baseball i'd like to see so that's all my thoughts on this cleveland baseball morning thanks for joining me again the final from progressive field it's the guardians four the cardinals made it close uh but they just couldn't get there the cardinals three you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Fill up that inbox. Let me know what you're thinking about this team. It's still an interesting point in the season. The season can still go many different directions. So let me know how you're feeling, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.